Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. We're reading from the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 20. Verse number one, this is John's vision of end time events, things yet to come. He writes in Revelation 20 and 1, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, bound him. For a thousand years. Cast him into the bottomless pit. Shut him up. Set a seal upon him. That he should deceive the nations no more. Till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed. A little season. We began a couple of weeks ago. In this prophetic series. Talking about a precious promise. That next event that's to happen. Is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We visited those seven perilous years last week. That tribulation that falls on the heels of the rapture of the church. In which that our world goes into chaos and confusion. We reach now to this third event on this Sunday morning. And we talk about an age of perfect peace that God has for us. Would you ask the Lord to help us now? Jesus, I thank you. I praise you, I worship you, I magnify you, and I'm asking you, Lord, that you'd help us in the delivery of the Word of God. In Jesus' precious name we pray, would you lift your voices and your hands to Him just one more time, and would you make a joyful sound of praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we do that joyously unto the Lord? Joyously unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. I commented to Brother Sean that last week we tried to take seven years and put it in 45 minutes. This week I have the task of taking a thousand years and put it in 45 minutes. And then he reminded me that a day with the Lord is a thousand years. Oh, if you've got a day, I've got a day. And we'll just take a good stab at it. Peace is the quest of all. It's the hope of many. And yet, peace remains a, an elusive oasis in the desert of life. It is that thing that so many have not been able to fully, completely, totally Realize in their life and the absence of peace brings turmoil, frustration, and difficulty. Now peace at the surface is easy to define. It's simply a a freedom from disturbance, disruption, problems, and difficulties. It's a feeling of tranquility. It's a state where there is no war or conflict. Now while peace is 
easy to define. We know what peace is. It's the absence of all this disruption that brings chaos and confusion to my mind and my life. While it's easy to define, it's much harder to experience, especially in the world that we presently live in right now. I think most of you would agree with me on this Sunday morning that Peace can be broken with the slightest of pressure. And peace can be toppled with the smallest of disturbance in our life. In fact, it well could be said that peace is a very fragile thing that we must hold very delicately in our hands. We are affected by so many things in our present world, our our past. It it haunts us, so we become depressed. Our future taunts us, so we become anxious. And between our past and our our future, our present collapses into turmoil and trouble and confusion. And we live without that ever-present feeling called peace in our life. Now, you have to understand that it's not just our own personal problems and difficulties that are pushing at us, but we live in a world that's messed up. Does anybody realize that? We live in a world that's messed up. It's turned on its head. It's, it, it's not straight, and there's so many things pressing, both in society as well as in the political world that is pressing, that disturbs our peace. 2021, the global peace index that rates the level of peace throughout the world. In examining 163 nations of the world using various different measures to try to determine the level of peace, the United States ranks at 122 amidst 163 nations in not being able to experience peace in our present time. Let's bring it a little closer to home because that same peace index also examines the 50 United States and our state, the state of Oklahoma ranks 37 out of 50 states for lacking a solid level of peace. Understanding that peace is continuing according to this this index that is continuing to decrease over the years as we press forward. In fact, this year is the ninth year of deterioration in the level of peace over a period of 13 years. And we are now dealing with a global pandemic the last two years and we're dealing with the rise of nations one against the other and between all of that and what we experience in our home environments no wonder we lack peace in our hearts and in our lives but may I tell you today just a word of comfort and encouragement to you that none of this has slipped up on the blind side of God God is not shocked by what's happening in fact his foreknowledge tells us that there would be troublesome 
times that we would have to deal with. When he answers the question of his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 concerning what would be the sign of the end of the world, Jesus gave them these signs. He said in Matthew 24 and 6 that you're going to hear of wars and rumors of war. He said nation's going to rise against nation and kingdom is going to rise against kingdom. There's going to be famine, pestilence, that's pandemics, and earthquakes in divers places. He said all of these things are going to take place, but then he asked us to remain calm. He asked us to hold on to peace. He asked us to solidify our confidence in him when he said in the middle of that sixth verse, when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, and the end is not yet. He said, I just want you to know, I'm letting you in on a secret. These things are going to happen. But because that I have told you that, in fact, in verse number 25, he said, behold, I have told you before of all of these things. So for you and I living in this present world that is topsy-turvy, that is literally coming unplugged, unraveled, that is falling apart at the seams, you and I can walk through this present life and say, no worries, my father already told me about all of this and my confidence is in him. Let me just put a little bit in here right now. I don't think that a Christian ought to be disturbed, frustrated, or upset about the conditions that are prevailing around us. I think there ought to be a solid confidence in God that God knows how to get me through the mess that we're in right now. Does anybody believe that? Understand that our world coming unraveled, coming unglued, unplugged, you and I are people who are given to self-preservation. Uh, we, 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 like to, we like to fix things. Are, are, are there any fix-it-uppers in the house? You like to fix things. If things are broken, you want to fix it. That is an instinct on the inside of us. If it's broken, I want to fix it. Well, man carries that beyond just his everyday life. He carries that into society. He wants to fix the problems of life. That's the reason why there arises the Antichrist. And he's got the answer to fix all of the problems. He says, just listen to me. I know how to put this world back together. I know how to bring stability to all of that. But remember, peace in this present life is an elusive thing. It's something that slips between our fingers. I draw your attention to the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation where the revelator gives us a vision of four horses. And in those four horses, he sees the impossibility of this peaceful system of the Antichrist. As he steps onto the scene, he comes saying, I've got the answers, I can put it together. But just 
just as soon as he gets it together, it falls apart and it unravels. Look at it in verse number 2. He said, I saw a white horse. This is the entrance of the Antichrist. He comes with a bow, but he has no arrow. He comes with peace. There's a crown of conquering upon his head. And so he comes delivering the answer. But in verse number 4, the revelator sees a red horse. This peace suddenly begins to unravel and he exchanges his bow for a sword and now war begins to unfold. In the fifth verse, he sees the picture of a black horse that is symbolic of an economic turndown. Things now really begin to fall apart. There's war and now there's this economic problem. Peace is imploding before his very eyes. And the fourth horse is a pale horse in verse number 8 and it's death and destruction that comes on the heels of war and economic problems. So what started with a peaceful solution, a man knowing how to fix it all, it implodes, it falls apart because ladies and gentlemen, you and I don't have the answer to peace. You and I cannot build a system and we cannot put together a kingdom and we don't have the ability to put together any type of mechanism that will produce peace for humanity. Paul gives us a little snapshot in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 3 when he tells us about how it will all implode. He says they're going to say peace and safety. We got the answer. We know how to take care of it. We know how to put the world back together. We got the answer to the economic problems. We got the answer to to societal problems and racial tension. And we got the problem to nations arising one against the other. We can do all of that. And Paul says just as soon as this wicked one gets all of this together, sudden destruction is going to come because there's no man-made system of peace that can survive. No man can put together anything that's going to bring about the totality of peace that man needs. In fact, we see the utter demise of that system of the Antichrist that we preached about last Sunday. We see that utter demise as he comes to the end of that seven years. He's declared himself to be God. He sat down in the temple and he said that I am God. And finally, he makes war against God. It's a battle he should not have engaged in. It's a warfare that he should not have started because Scripture tells us, Paul says that God's going to consume him with the spirit of his mouth and he's going to destroy him with the brightness of his coming. I like the picture that the revelator gives us of this moment of triumph. We know it as the battle of Armageddon when all nations of the world are going to join against Israel and they're fighting good and evil one against the other. The world has evolved to this place of utter mess, utter confusion. And then the revelator writes, this is what's going to happen. He says in Revelation 19 and 11, he said, I saw heaven open and he said there was a white horse. Now remember the Antichrist in Revelation 6 comes riding in on a white horse because all he can do is emulate Christ. He cannot produce what Christ can produce, but Christ comes riding on a white horse and he that sat upon him is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and he makes war. His eyes are a flame of fire. 
on his head are many crowns. Remember on the Antichrist in Revelation 6, he has one crown, only saying he's a conqueror. But in Revelation 19, Jesus Christ has many crowns upon his head, recognizing that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he has a name written that no man knew but he himself. He he was clothed with a vesture. He's dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies. I like this now. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. You know who that is? That's the church. That's the bride. That's the body that's been raptured and now coming back with him in triumph and victory declaring that he is this mighty God and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. He's going to rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when he returns and he puts his foot, as Zechariah says, on the Mount of Olives and that mountain cleaves in two and Israel recognizes their Messiah, the one in whom they have pierced, there will be death and destruction to all of the forces of the Antichrist. In fact, Revelation 19 describes a feast that will open up where the birds of the air will be summoned to eat the flesh of kings and captains and it will be called the great supper of God as he rides in in victory triumphing over all of evil. But make no make no bypass of it here this morning. We must take time to pause here for just a moment because it's not just the destruction of natural armies but when he comes again with his church and he begins to set his kingdom up upon earth. He destroys both the vehicle as well as the very source of evil itself. Look at Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 20. It says the beast was taken. That's the Antichrist. And the false prophet that wrought miracles. That's the religious system which deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. And they're cast alive into the lake of fire burning with fire and brimstone. The Antichrist, the false prophet, that's the vehicle through which Satan worked. He there cast into the lake of fire burning with fire and brimstone. But now he deals with the very source of evil itself in Revelation chapter 20, verse number one, when he said, I saw an angel come down from heaven. He had a key to the bottomless pit, great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, Satan, bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. That old slew foot that had slipped into the garden, destroyed God's Eden, robbed man of peace and freedom, took from man his liberty and his dominion at the end of that seven years of tribulation when the Lord returns with his bride and sets his kingdom upon earth, he's going to be cast for 1,000 years into the bottomless pit to deceive no more. I like that. No more. To deceive no more the nations of the world. And it will usher in 1,000 years of 
peace. This will be God's literal, physical reign upon earth. He will establish His kingdom in Jerusalem. He will set Himself up in that great temple that Ezekiel describes in the latter chapters of the book of Ezekiel. And there He will reign as King and Lord. In fact, Scripture tells us that this is the fulfillment of the prophecy that was given to Mary when Gabriel came to her telling her that she was going to give birth to a child. Luke chapter 1, verse number 31 says, Thou shalt conceive in the womb. You're going to bring us forth a son. His name's going to be called Jesus. He's going to be great. He's going to become called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Remember, Jesus Christ is the root and the offspring of David. And he promised David that of his seed there would sit this eternal Christ upon the throne. And as the millennial kingdom comes in, this literal reign of 1,000 years, God is going to sit upon that throne and rule from Jerusalem. This is echoing the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, when he said, Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government's going to be upon his shoulder. His name's going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of of peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts, he said, is going to perform this. Friend, it's going to be here that all nations of the world are going to come. Paul said it like this, every knee is going to bow and ever tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yeah. 1,000 years, Psalms 86 and 9. It says, all nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee and shall glorify thy name. Isaiah 66 and 23 says it shall come to pass that from one new moon to the other and from one Sabbath to the other, all flesh is going to come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Can you imagine it now? Jesus sitting on that throne in Jerusalem and all nations, all nations are going to come before him. Nations that won't worship him now. Nations that are anti-God. Nations that are anti-Christ. Nations that reject scripture. Nations that refuse God's law right now. In that 1,000 years of peace, all nations shall come and worship before the throne of glory. Oh, friend, right now, we'd like for everybody to worship the Lord, but not in this time, but in that 1,000 years of peace when he reigns upon earth, when the source of evil is bound for that 1,000 years to deceive the nations no more. Everyone's gonna bring gifts unto him to worship and to praise him. Those that said, I'll never worship will come and worship. 
worship. Those that said, I'll never bow my knee will come and bow their knee. Those that said, I'll never confess that He's Lord will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. In fact, this will be one unique period of time. Read it in the 65th chapter of the book of Isaiah because in this time frame, not only is there this, this majestic rule of Christ upon the throne of David from Jerusalem, this beautiful coming together of nations worshiping the Lord in this new world order. Has anybody heard that term lately? Everybody talks about a new world order. A new world order. We need a new world order. Well, they can't order a world that they don't know how to handle, but he's going to bring in a new world order. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse number 20, he said, there's going to be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days. A child is going to die as a hundred years old. Verse 21, he said they're going to build houses. They're going to inhabit them. They're going to plant vineyards. They're going to eat the fruit of them. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree are the days of my people and mine elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth uh, for trouble for they are the seed of the blessed of the Lord and their offspring with them. Look at verse number 25. He says, the wolf and the lamb's going to feed together. The lion shall eat straw like the bullock, and the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, saith the Lord. He said, I'm going to destroy. I'm going I'm to change the entire system of the way it works. I'm going to change not only the, 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 the system of man and bring about this godly system. I'm going to change. I'm going to change the way the animal kingdom works. And the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. <laughs> and he, he said, the only thing that's not going to get changed is that serpent. Remember? Because he allowed him Himself to be the vehicle for Satan in the Garden of Eden. He said, thou shalt eat the dust. He said, the only thing I'm not going to redeem is that old serpent. He's going to continue to eat the dust. But he said, in 1,000 years of peace, even the animal kingdom is going to be changed and there's going to be peace wherever you go. Can you imagine a world like that? I don't know if I can quite comprehend a world where there is no pressure that brings about a dissolution to the peace that, that you and I enjoy. Surely, this will be the answer to the Lord's prayer that he prays in Matthew chapter 6. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It will be enacted in that 1,000 years of peace. Now this is what's interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, because remember, it's, a, it's the reigning of Christ. His literal, physical kingdom in time upon earth. And all nations are going to come and worship Him. Now we've already seen a picture of the bride that returns with Him, riding upon those white horses. The crowns that are upon His heads are the crown that the church has, has given back to the Lord after they received their reward. They cast their crown at His feet and said, holy, holy, holy. We don't deserve these. You deserve these. And now they come back. Remember, they are immortal creatures because at the rapture, what happens? Mortality puts on immortality and corruption puts on incorruption. So the question is this, what's the bride going to be doing during this 1,000 years? Oh, I'm so glad you asked because 
the Lord doesn't leave the bride out of this picture, this triumph of 1,000 years of peace. For Revelation 5 and 10 tells us that we're going to be made, He's going to be, and has made us unto our God kings and priests. Now watch, and we shall reign on the earth with Him. I don't know how it's all going to look, but I can tell you what he's got in mind. He's got in mind that you and I are going to be a part of that government system of that earthly kingdom for 1,000 years. And we're going to reign with immortal bodies over mortal bodies that are still upon earth. And we're going to function in Jesus' parable of the pound. He said that there would be rewarded to the faithful 10 cities and to another 5 cities. I don't know how that's going to work, but he's going to take the bride and he's going to begin to put them into his system as we reign and rule with Christ upon the earth for 1,000 years of peace. Can you imagine the off-scouring now? That which is despised and now. That which is discarded and disdained now. That which is looked upon with shame now is going to rise to such great heights that have been faithful to him and be a part of his system for that 1,000 years. But here is what is very interesting that I think we really need to look at very carefully today because even though there is this natural reign of Christ upon earth, and Scripture tells us in the book of Habakkuk that the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He said that glory is going to fill that, that, that earth. And the knowledge of the Lord is going to cover that. But what's interesting is this, that in spite of the reign of Christ, men's hearts are going to remain wicked and vile and corrupt. Scripture says that he's going to rule with a rod of iron. That simply means this, that he's not going to permit rebellion. He's not going to permit injustice. He's not going to allow inequity. He's not going to permit wrong to be done. He rules with a rod of iron. Has anybody ever posed the question? Don't raise your hands because I think we'd get it unanimous. Has anybody ever posed the question? that I don't understand why God allows what he allows. There's such injustice, cruelty, rapes, violence, murder against women, children, against populations that are so frail and fragile. Why does God permit that in our present age? God allows man to have his way and inflict upon himself the harm that he's doing and bring that injustice upon himself. In that thousand years of peace, God is not going to permit rebellion. He will not permit violence. He will not permit corruption. He will not permit injustice and inequity. But men's hearts will still remain evil. You see, the fact is this, is that the problem is not God. The problem's my heart. The problem is not what God does. 
It's my heart. Scripture says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The problem, somebody said, if, if we could have peace, if God would just, just intervene here. So in the thousand years, he says, okay, I'm going to do it your way. I won't permit violence. I won't permit corruption. I'm not going to permit injustice and inequity. I'm, I'm going to hold all of this in check, and I'm going to hold it all at bay. But watch what happens at the conclusion of that 1,000 years in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 7. It says, when the 1,000 years are expired. Can you imagine now? 1,000 years of peaceful reign. There's no injustice. There's no inequity. There's no wrong. There's been no rape. There's been no murder. There's been no violence. He's ruled with a rod of iron. He's not permitted it. He's not allowed it. It is an Eden of God, according to Ezekiel. It is a, it is a utopia that man has always wanted, but after that thousand years, Satan is going to get one more shot. He's going to allow him one more move. And he said, Satan's going to be loosed out of that prison. And he's going to go out and watch what he's going to do. He's going to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth. And he's going to gather them together to battle. The number of whom is the sand of the sea. Can you imagine? One thousand years of peace where God has ruled with a rod of iron. No injustice, no inequity, no wrongs, no violence. Violations. And yet one moment the devil steps out of his prison and he deceives because the heart is the problem. God's not the problem. The heart is the problem. And at the end of that thousand years, God's going to permit man once again to follow his heart, to follow that desperately wicked thing that's down on the inside of him. But God is going to have the final word. God always has the final word. I said God's going to have the final word because at the end of that time, he's going to give him one more shot to deceive and they're going to come like the sand of the sea and they're going to follow after him. But Revelation 20 and 9 says fire is going to come down from God out of heaven and it's going to devour them and the devil that deceived them is cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night I like those last four words forever and ever forever and ever forever and ever devil I serve notice on you today that you've got just but a short time to do whatever you're going to do because I've read the back of the book and you lose and the church and Jesus Christ shall win and prevail. Oh, friend, aren't you thankful for the triumph of Jesus Christ? Don't despair. Oh, don't despair. Don't panic. Don't wring your hands. Don't wipe sweat beads from your forehead wondering how it's all going to turn out. Just be confident that if I'm faithful to Him, if I stand with Him, if I love Him, if I love His Word, if I uphold His name, He's going to have a kingdom upon earth for 1,000 years that's going to bring peace to this world and you and I are going to be involved in it at the end of that 1,000 years. That old devil we're fighting right now, that old devil that's deceiving us, that old devil that pushes and presses, that old devil that plods and, and, and prods at us, that old devil that gets in our mind and tells us all kinds of stories, he's going to be cast forever and ever and ever and ever into the lake of fire. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the victory that Jesus Christ just...
Here's the issue you and I have to deal with right now. We're not in that thousand years. We're not there yet. We're still waiting the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our eyes are up on the eastern skies and we're watching and we're waiting for the soon appearing and the rapture of the Lord. But in between, we live in troublesome times and we live in a moment of difficulty and frustration. Have you read it? Have you seen the headlines? Russia's poised to strike. Ukraine is in its crosshairs. A region of Europe that has not known instability since World War II is sitting on a powder keg right now. If Russia makes her ultimate move in her aggression against Ukraine, it will destabilize the economic system of Europe. The oil supplies coming across its continent. And the whole world is going to feel what we have felt just a fragment of right now in a shortage of supplies. But it's going to stop things all over the world. We're living in a chaotic time right now. We're living in a frustrating moment. What about peace? I need peace. I can't wait for a thousand years. I can't wait for that future moment. You see, I need peace right now. That's the reason why when Jesus came, Israel was looking for a natural kingdom. She was looking for a physical kingdom. Kingdom that would be set up on earth. What ultimately is that thousand years of peace. But she thought it was going to happen when their Messiah came. And so they're questioning Jesus about this kingdom. And his response in Luke chapter 17 and verse 20, number 20. is when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. He answered them and said the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. It's not something that you see. Neither say they low here or low there. He said, the kingdom is not one that you point and say, that's its domain and that's its throne and that's its king. He said, rather, I want you to know the kingdom of God is within you. That's where the kingdom is. It is within you. In other words, he was talking to them about the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But when his spirit comes into an individual, God sets up his kingdom inside of an individual. And he brings his reign and rule inside the heart and the mind of that individual. It's not just that literal kingdom that we're looking for. But in this present world, I need the kingdom of God within. Because Paul writes in Romans chapter 14 and verse number 17 that the kingdom of God is not this tangible stuff as meat and drink. He said, that's not the kingdom of God. He said, let me tell you what the kingdom is. He said, it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. So when I have the Holy Ghost inside of me, I've got the kingdom of peace inside of me. So how can I have peace in this present world when the headlines are, are so, so, so nerve-wracking? And when I see the political system eroding 
and I see economics falling apart and I see its effect upon homes and families and lives, how can I have peace if only God would just come with that rod of iron right now? If only God would just say, no more rebellion right now. But that's not so at this moment. But he said, I tell you what, you can have peace in this present world. And you can have peace in this present life. And you can live with this kingdom of peace in a world where there's so much suffering. Because the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, among many of the things that are listed is peace. When the Holy Ghost comes and it fills our heart, that's the kingdom of peace in my mind and in my life so that I can exist in this present world and never ever have fear and turmoil and frustration and difficulty. Somebody says, how can you be at such peace? I'll tell you how I can be at such peace. I have the King of peace, the Prince of peace sitting upon the throne of my heart and I can experience the peace of God in this present world and this present structure that I'm living in right now. Would you stand with me this morning? Many years ago I was in a distant state. Was preaching about peace. Having peace. Experiencing peace. I did not know I had no understanding. No one had told me that in that congregation that night was a grieving mother that had lost about a year ago, a year before that, her son suddenly in death. A simple sickness it was. It wasn't any great illness or disease. He simply became sick in the night and In the process of vomiting, he strangled and he passed from this life. And over that next year, she had grieved. She had carried that hurt and that heartache inside of her. And that night, as we begin to preach, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 7, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He said there's no explanation to trouble and loss. There's no explanation to woe and problems. But there's a peace you can have from God that surpasses the need for explanation. Surpasses the need For some rational statement. I have it somewhere in my keepsakes. She brought me her story. She wrote on a little short notepad. Telling me the story of her loss. And she said, but tonight. I have experienced peace for the first time. In a year. In my life. Because you see the peace that God gives. Needs not to wait for a thousand years. It needs not to wait for a prophetic moment. It's something I receive into my heart and my life. And it keeps my mind in this present and evil world. I believe the peace speaker, the peace keeper,
is in this room right now. And he's looking for a heart to set upon to reign with peace in this troublesome life that we're in right now. Would you lift your hands and voices to the Lord? And would you in a moment of honesty right where you're standing, close your eyes and just say, God, I I need a kingdom of peace within now. I can't wait for a thousand years. I can't wait for a prophetic moment. I can't wait for a time that's beyond this. I need peace right now. I know you're going to reign in a literal kingdom and I know you're going to rule with a rod of iron, but God, I need a kingdom of peace to come into my spirit. I need a kingdom of peace to come into my heart. I need it to take the pressure and the difficulty from my mind right now. I need the peace of the Lord to bathe my spirit. Wonderful peace. It's coming down now. Coming from the Father. I'm not waiting for a thousand years. I need the Holy Ghost to set up a kingdom in my life right now. I need the kingdom of peace in my spirit and my heart. Forever I pray. That's it. Now as our eyes are closed all over this building, I feel a ministry of the Holy Ghost across the sanctuary right now. I felt it slip in earlier. It's here in this present moment. If you're in this building and you need the peace of God just to bathe your spirit, you just be honest enough. I, I need God just to settle in on me right now with a kingdom of peace. I'm opening this altar on this Sunday morning. I'm inviting you to come. Just open your spirit and your heart and your mind to this precious power of the Holy Ghost in your life as God begins to speak peace into this precious world. That's it now. God, I need that peace in my home. I need it in my family. That's it from wherever you're at, wherever you're standing. I need a kingdom of peace now. I need a kingdom of peace in my spirit. I need the Holy Ghost to be at work in me. I need the Holy Ghost. The fruit of peace. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. I need it. I've got to have it now. That's it. That's it. There's a bathing presence of the peace of God. Crossing this building right now. Spirit forever. Oh, that's it. Now would you just reach out. Reach out. Just reach out. Confess God. God, I need your kingdom to fall on me. I need it to fall in my heart. I need the power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, 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 yes. Peace, peace. 
wonderful peace coming down from, from the, the Father. Oh, that's it now. Daddy, Mama, whoever you are, husband, wife, sweep over my spirit. There's a kingdom now of peace. There's a kingdom of peace. I pray in fathomless billows of love. Peace, peace. Wonderful peace. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. Call us at 405-329-1285. Or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.